If I could have any monster power, I think I'd want to be a vampire, even though I don't like the sight of blood in person, but on screen when I know it's fake, I'm okay with it. I just would want the ability to fly and the ability to be immortal or somewhat immortal. Missing the sun would be pretty sucky, but I think I could deal with that. So that would be the power, monster power that I want. And now, let's start the show. Scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shriek. We're so sorry, skeletons, you're so misunderstood. You only want to socialize. But I don't think we Hi, I'm Evan. I love movies, and you should too. Tonight, a podcast about the top 10 academies, high school, and how things you can't control can affect your life in a horrible, horrible way. Also, this could be a podcast about trauma. Tonight, we're covering Happy Birthday to Me. Someone's having a party for the top 10, the senior class snobs. Before they get to celebrate, six of them will die in the most bizarre ways you'll ever see. Virginia, don't go away. Come over here, Virginia. It is up to you to determine whether you wish to subject yourself to fear, terror, and shock. Because of the bizarre nature of this birthday party, pray you are not invited. So this film is a slasher movie. I didn't want to bombard the podcast with slasher films because I could do that because slasher genre is one of my favorite genres in general or subgenres. And I wanted to make a variety of films that we're going to cover on the show this month. But I wanted to pick out a slasher movie that maybe not many people had seen or not enough people had seen because I definitely think people should see it if you definitely like horror movies and slasher movies and 80s movies, which I do love all three of those. I wanted a film that was a little different, but also stick to the tropes. And Happy Birthday to me seemed like the perfect film, especially because most people talk about it for its awesome poster arc, which plays into one of the kills in the film, and also its bananas ending, which I will spoil the hell out of. So make sure you watch the film before you listen to this episode, because I'm going, the only way I can do an episode on this film is to spoil the hell out of it because the ending is just cuckoo bananas. The film was released in May 15 of 1981, before I was born, but during that big slasher boom. It was directed by Jay Lee Thompson, who was an established film director. He directed The Guns of Navarone, McKenna's Gold, Battle for the Planet of the Apes, and then he went into the 80s and directed one of the most famous, like, trashy 80s films is 10 to Midnight, which he directed, which stars Charles Bronson, and he directed quite a few Charles Bronson films. But his most famous film outside of the guns of navarone the original cape fear is what he directed and is most known for it stars gregory peck and robert mitchum 
I have not seen it. I've only I've only seen the remake. And it was really interesting when I was looking this up because he's an established director. And it seemed like during the 80s, especially the slasher boom, established directors and actors and even some actresses wanted to get into the slasher genre or the horror genre. I'll speak about that later. But this film is also notable because it was a part of the Video Nasties. And the Video Nasties were films uh, deemed too violent by a religious organization, and they were not released by the British Board of Film Classification. One of the most famous of those films is Evil Dead. And it makes sense because it's not as gory as a slasher film. I'm not saying all slasher films are gory, but some are pretty gory, especially for the 80s. This one's not gory, but it is bloody. And I'll also get to that later because the reason why it is a little bit overly bloody, that is due to the creative team. The film is about this girl named Jenny, who's played by a Melissa Sue Anderson. She was on Little Houses of Prairie, The Equalizer, The Love Boat. So she's a TV actress. She's a part of the top 10. And the top 10 at this prestigious high school academy is the smartest group of kids in the school. And they call themselves the top 10. They hang out. They do everything together. They have intermingling lives and romances and that. Well, somebody starts knocking off the top 10, starts killing them in crazy different ways and they all start to go missing and so we're not sure what's going on if someone is just angry at them because they're in the top 10 if it's one of the group or if it's some other worldly events happening that's making them disappear we uh, do find out that Jenny has a backstory and she's the newest member of the top 10 and the film goes through her backstory in flashbacks. So we get to understand how she entered the top 10 and also why she's seeing a doctor who's played by Glenn Ford, famous actor. By the end of the film, you realize something that's pretty crazy and really interesting and it definitely the film plays out to me like a giallo film where there is a killer who's never seen never heard but they do do their kills with black gloves there is significantly different types of death and there's also a lot of blood and music cues that definitely seem to me like Jay Lee Thompson had watched a lot of Italian giallo before making this film because he definitely wanted to make it more serious a slasher than the a campy or hokey 80s slasher film, which it does feel like when I was doing research. He said during interviews that he wanted to make it a serious film, that he took it serious on set, and that he wanted the audience to care about the characters, which I think some of them you do. You get to know them well enough that you do care about them, but I think some of them are just slasher fodder. They were just there to get killed, and that's quite all right because this is a slasher movie built in the 80s. I'm going to mention some of the cast. Glenn Ford, who I just said, he is the Dr. Faraday, David Faraday. If you don't know Glenn Ford, have you ever seen Superman the movie? Then you have, okay, you know Glenn Ford. And he is original movie Jonathan Kent. He was also in the Nor classic Gilda. He was in the original 310 to Yuma. And he's in a Nor another Nor classic called The Big Heat, which I just watched uh, probably last month or the month before. And it's a really good film. And if you like noir films, I definitely highly suggest seeking that one out. It's a really, really fun film. <laughs> Come on, quit screwing around! 
Batman, please put him back! For God fucking sake, put him back! Anyway, also in the cast is Lawrence Dane, who plays Jenny's father, Hal Wainwright. He was in Scanners, he's been on Queer as Folk, he was in Bride of Chucky, and he was on episodes of Tales from the Crypt. The mom, played by Sharon Ecker, she's Estelle Wainwright. She was in Point Blank with Lee Marvin, which I just watched. It's an interesting, like, 60s noir crime thriller. And she was on episodes of The Incredible Hulk, Star Trek, the original series, and Mission Impossible. So when I was doing research, the whole cast is really TV stars that were in this horror movie. I mean, makes sense. Uh, Frances Highland plays Mrs. Patterson. She is the evil dean because the film has parts of it where it feels like a college comedy, even though they're in high school at this really prestigious academy. I mean, this is the richest high school academy I've ever seen in my life. She plays the dean, and she's very much the dean like you've seen in college comedies like maybe Old School or Animal House. She seems to play her character like that. She's kind of stuck up, mean, trying to make sure she keeps the values of the school and making sure the top 10 is not doing playing pranks and doing crazy things to make this school look bad. And she definitely has that mean-spirited dean from the 70s and 80s type character. And it's fine. It fits in this film, even though this is not a college comedy, but parts of it kind of fit in the college comedy area. It's really weird. Two of the most famous people that are in this film are Jack Blum. He plays Alfred Morris. He's also Spaz in Meatballs. When I was doing research, he is one that said that J. Lee Thompson took the film very seriously. He wanted to make it a serious drama with horror elements, which it comes out to be. It still has hokey moments of being a, an 80s slasher film, but it still gets there. It's still pretty serious. The other most famous actor outside of Glenn Ford is Matt Craven. You've seen Matt Craven in so many TV shows and movies, but I'll mention a few here, and you may know him if you saw his face. Look him up on IMDb. He was in X-Men First Class. He was in Crimson Tide. He was in A Few Good Men. He's been on ER, and he's also in Meatballs. So Craven and Blum, Meatballs alums that are coming back to make a, a horror film. Ain't that cool? So this film is just, it's fun. It's interesting because of how everything plays out. So the story plays out. We get to meet the characters to begin with. And one of the top 10 gets chased and killed. And you see the black gloves and she gets chased and she thinks she knows who the killer is because she meets somebody who she says, oh, I know you. Please help me. I'm being chased. And then she dies. And so every time you see a, a kill happens on screen, they know who it is or they think they know who it is. But actually, they don't know who it is because that person is playing someone else. I'll get to the ending so I can explain everything else to you. After the first kill of the opening kill of the movie, we meet the top 10 and realize they're a bunch of crazy high school kids who look older than they should be for high school, but it was the 80s. And we get our first signs that something's not right because there's a car chase scene where they're going over a bridge and it triggers a flashback for her. And so entirely through the movie, there are small moments that trigger flashbacks for Jenny. And it explains what happened to her, what happened to her family, and how she got to where she is right now. 
And it's really interesting because that's another element of Jalo, I think, that puts the film more in a Jalo area where it's Jalo but slasher because there's a mystery going on. Big thing about Jalo films is there's always a mystery trying to figure out. And we're trying to figure out here who's killing the top 10 and then also what happened to Jenny and is she the killer? And you find out at the end that she kind of is the killer, but then she kind of isn't the killer. So I'll explain it. There's a ton of characters that are in the film, as I said, mostly for killer fodder. What you find out at the end, as you go through the whole film, each character keeps getting knocked off in weird and interesting ways. Glenn Ford's trying to help Jenny because she's freaking out, and Jenny thinks she's the killer, and she thinks she killed her best friend. You realize that maybe she did, or maybe she didn't. Who knows? Because we really, really don't find out until the end. Why the film is focused on birthdays is... It doesn't come out until, I'd say, the last 30 minutes of film where you figure out why this has so has to do so significantly with birthdays. What happens is about five years before or four years. Actually, I think they say five years, but it should have been four. That might be a continuity issue. Jenny had a birthday party and none of the top 10 came. Someone else actually had a birthday party on had a party on the same day. And so her and her mother go to the house. Her mother screams at the caretaker and says, I'm going to get you back. You can't treat me like this. I'm rich now. And you find out that she is rich. Her mother slept with her best friend's father. And then Jenny was born. So Jenny has a half sister, her best friend, which she never knew about. During this whole interaction five years ago on the birthday, there's a car accident. The mother dies. Jenny gets hit in the head and has to have this crazy emergency surgery, which is like the first surgery ever of its kind. But she comes out back and she's normal. She just can't remember anything about the accident. Well, throughout the film, she starts remembering everything about the accident. And then you come to find out that her best friend has been posing as her and killing her friends because she's jealous. Well, not jealous. She is upset with Jenny because Jenny's birth broke up her household because her dad slept with Jenny's mom, and so they're half-sisters, but then the best friend's mom left. So she plans this whole elaborate, crazy birthday party because of the one she missed on the day that Jenny had her accident. And so the ending of this film is a birthday party in like a shed, and there's a ton of mutilated dead bodies. Jenny's father shows up, and thinks it's Jenny because Jenny comes out and says she has a birthday cake and daddy, you made it. And then she cuts his throat. And then you walk over and you see there's a twin. So they're like, oh, there's twins. There's two of them. No, one of the characters in the film was actually making masks. He's a mask maker and he's making molds of everybody's face. She actually took one of those molds of Jenny, put it on herself and has been killing each of the top 10 throughout the film and then gives her explanation to Jenny. They have a fight. Jenny accidentally kills her best friend, and so she's holding the knife when the cop shows up, and the cop looks at all the death, and Jenny holding knife going, what have you done? What have you done? And the film ends, and you're like, what the fuck just happened? Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, dear Jenny. Happy birthday to me.
your promise to me. You came to my birthday party. That's the craziness about this ending that I wanted to get to because it's bananas. And you're just like, can this happen? Honestly, it can't, but it's kind of explained out in dialogue. Like, because how is her best friend? How does she sound like Jenny? She says she sound, she made her voice sound and act and walk exactly like Jenny. And she every time she was going to kill one of the top 10, she would drug Jenny. So Jenny would wake up the next day and not remember anything. So that's why during near the end of the film, Jenny wakes up. She's been drugged and thinks she killed her best friend when she really didn't. It's bananas. I don't I can't believe that it like I just it just blows my mind when you haven't heard anything about this movie. And then you watch the it and you watch the ending and you're like, wow, that's morbid. Wow, that's fucked up. Not everything's resolved, but it kind of is resolved. So that's one thing about the film that really attracts me is the wild and bananas ending and the story to it, because it's kind of like a horror version of face off. And one thing about the film I said earlier is that J. Lee Thompson was known for like he wanted everything bloodier. So that's why the film is pretty bloody. Like when someone gets killed, there's blood splatters all over the screen. And he was one who wanted to splash more blood all over the place just to make the scene a little more gory. But it's not it doesn't make it like gory. There's no like bodily harm blood. It's just when somebody dies, there's there's like a bucket of blood that's thrown on the screen, which is it's pretty cool, actually, because I'm a gore hound. I know I'm weird. But what's interesting about the the ending as well is that's not the original ending. So they were filming and still were rewriting the script, as you do nowadays. They do that, too. What happened with the original ending was that Jenny was supposed to be possessed by her dead mother, and she was actually supposed to be the killer. We were going to find that out at the end. Production team and the director and the writers didn't think it had enough emotional weight and it wasn't climactic enough. So they dropped this bombshell of a twist as an ending. And even though it would have made a lot more sense if she was possessed by her dead mother, Jenny been the killer, which is weird to say. I think the ending they went with is so crazier and so much more fun that it adds to like the legacy of this film. Because I know this film is not like... It's not huge in circles, but I think eventually it's going to be. Now we have Happy Death Day. So we have two birthday slashers. And I just want to tell you that I love Happy Death Day to so much. I had so much hate for Happy Death Day before I saw it. And I'm stupid. And I apologize for that. I need to stop judging things. I need to be a better person and stop judging films before I see them. When I saw Happy Death Day, it blew my fucking mind. I absolutely loved it. And now Happy Death Day is my birthday movie. On my birthday, every year now, I have to watch Happy Death Day. It's like the anniversary of Scott Pilgrim. Every August, on its anniversary, I have to watch Scott Pilgrim because it's my favorite film of all time. Christmas Eve, I've got to watch Die Hard and The Night Before. Those are two ones. And there might be another one that I'm going to add to that. We'll see about this Christmas, but those two I do watch on Christmas. I did mention that famous older actors were doing slasher films, like Glenn Ford did this one, and apparently he wasn't keen on being a slasher movie because I guess he was a little hard to deal with on set. But it's just really interesting to me that a bunch of older actors 
pristine actors, like people who worked with like the best directors and had been stars before, wanted to be in horror movies. Prime examples are this one, Glenn Ford and Happy Birthday to Me. George C. Scott is in The Changeling. Chuck Connors is in Tourist Trap. George Kennedy is in Death Ship. And then Jack Palance and Martin Landau are in Alone in the Dark. So I think it's really cool. And some of those performances are really good. I heard Death Ship isn't that great. I, I do want to see it, but I, I just heard bad things about it. The Changeling is an amazing film. And if you haven't seen it, it's on Shudder. Definitely check it out during spooky season because it's a good spooky movie. But this film is very, very giallo and has very, a lot of films were inspired by it, I think. At least to me. The reason for the killing is the half-sister. So that kind of goes along with the Scream series. And they were going to pin it on the sister or maybe pin it on the dad in Scream. It happens on the dad or pin it on Sydney. This film kind of plays out like Scream 3, even though there there's a mask and stuff in Scream. There isn't a mask. There's a killer in here, but it's a face, but it's a person's face. And it just seems to me like this film is very, because of its serious nature, it, it could fit as like an American Canadian Jalo film because the producers of this film also produced one of the best slasher movies of all time, My Bloody Valentine, which is kind of funny that, I mean, this is not holiday horror, but it is kind of holiday horror, and My Bloody Valentine is definitely holiday horror. But if you want to have some fun, if you want a real serious slasher that's bloody but entertaining, you get some good characters, you get a decent performance by Glenn Ford, even though he's not on screen that often, and you just get into this world of the early 80s and being like social elite, this is the film for you. Also, if you're weird and you want to watch a weird movie on your birthday, definitely do happy birthday to me. So we're going to keep chugging along on spooky season. If you follow me on social media, you'll probably know what that is because I'm going to drop a little mini schedule soon. But you know where to find me. I am Johnny Freak. That's J-O-H-N-N-Y-P-H-R-E-A-K. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. You can find the show on Instagram and Twitter as well. Just search I Love Movies. You should too. And if you're listening to us on Spotify, thank you so much. Please subscribe. If you're listening to us on Anchor, that's our home. Thank you, Anchor, for being our home. Please listen there. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, follow us. Give us a five-star review if you like what we're doing. The eyes and ears really help me to just keep going, keep the show fresh, have a lot of fun, and get more guests on there. Because I want to have more people on the show, and I want to keep this going because I love doing this. It's so much fun to just talk films with you guys. And also, if you really, 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 really love us, go to Patreon, sign up for uh, one of those tiers there, and get some exclusive content. And there is exclusive content coming to you. I'm working on it. So I'm Evan. I love movies. You should too. I'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.